0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardim. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome to the show about money. I am Wolfgang Klein. Jack Hartle, by my side, uh, we help people just like you build wealth. Uh, You know, it's pretty simple stuff. I am going to say it on every single show. You want to build wealth, you got to get out of bed, go to work, put some money aside called saving, and invest it. Uh, And a key to it all, of course, if you want to make some more money, Uh, get educated. And that is becoming such a challenge uh, for our youth. It is a headline that uh, Canada is looking to uh, attract 1.4 million foreign students uh, to be educated in this beautiful country of ours. And uh, well, that means less students for our own people. That is something that I scratch my head at. Uh, If our people don't get educated, uh, their earning potential is basically cut in half. Uh, which me, which makes my job more difficult. But you know something, truth be told, even if you save and invest five dollars a day, five bucks a day for forty years, that's three quarters of a million dollars in the S and P five hundred. Uh, I had a nine percent return. Uh, My good friend, Sandy McIntyre, uh, has a phrase for something like that, and that's called the power of small numbers. Sandy McIntyre is a retired strategist, but he's not retired. His mind is racing at full-on warp speed. Uh, He does uh, spend much of his time now uh, in the world of philanthropy, uh, Locte Foundation. Uh, but formerly we we knew him as the strategist at CI Investments and Century Select prior to uh, Sandy McIntyre. Welcome back to High Fire Radio. It is the fall time and the market is falling. Talk to us.
2: Um. Yeah, well, I was trying to think of a theme uh, to to sort of structure our conversation this morning, and I go back to a bit of advice that was given to me at the start of my career as an investment counselor i had a chief investment officer um, james cameron at uh, jones heward at the time and he took me aside and said sandy every decision you make is binary you will (laughs) be right or you will be wrong the more rapidly you sequence decisions the higher the likelihood that you make a series of bad decisions. Make sure the first decision you make is right.
1: <laughs> That's interesting speak. Uh...
2: Well, it, it, it comes to my view on trading securities. Um, why are you trading them? are are you hoping that somebody else is going to pay you a higher price at a future date for something that you don't understand or are you purchasing the earnings power the the economic rent that a business extracts from the economy i prefer the latter and if i can calculate the economic rent at a level that is a suitable risk premium to my risk-free rate of return, um, so let's say a 90 day T-bill, then I will buy the economic rent and live with it. And I'll live with it through multiple cycles uh, so long as the business remains a valid business. Um, this, this sort of thinking led to uh, my response to a phone call from my mother back in March of uh, 2009 Um, The comment was, uh, Sandy, I have to sell everything. And uh, my reply was, why? (laughs) Because it's going down. Um, At the time, I was a big fan of a UK uh, show on cars called uh, Top Gear. And I gave her a challenge. I said, Mom, I want you to go to Yorkdale on the weekend And if you can tell me that all economic activity is stopped, then I'll let you sell something. Uh, She called the next week, and her her in her words, Sandy, that was a horrible experience. It took me forever to find a parking spot, and there (laughs) are awful people in there with bags bumping into me. What what am I buying? I changed the narrative. Um, there's a fashion in the media to be negative, And you and I know that the outcome of long-term investing is a positive slope of roughly 9% from lower left to upper right. And yes, it varies. But if you keep your money invested, it's time on the water that wins. It's time in the market
1: that wins yeah it it really is a friend of mine wrote a book time in time out and uh, other people said well the time out part not so because uh, time on the water Uh, Jack likes that uh, uh, phrase as well you know but you know it gets me Sandy the market has idiosyncrasies, and uh, we are able to get the Morgan Stanley research, uh, which is amazing research. Uh, Wall Street research is well, well-coveted, uh, certainly on Bay Street. Um, and But their analysts uh, at the very bottom talk about what drives the stock and the sector that they're uh, focused on. And they have one category called uh, idiosyncrasies, and often that's over 50% of the movement of the stock. I've now parlayed that into deep value that is going lower and Super expensive stuff that's going higher. Uh, FICO, uh, your credit scores. Uh, If you're bored, Sandy, pull up that chart. F-I-C-O in the United States is the symbol. I'm jinxing it, but I own the stock across my uh, book. Um, uh, Credit scores, trades at about $45 times earnings, has decent growth, I don't know, 10 or 15% revenue growth, uh, nice moat around it, very predictable, markets paying a lot of money for that stock and that stock does not retreat. Again, I'm jinxing it. The market gods are going to hit me with a couple of lightning bolts of stock will mm. get cut in half. I'm sure next week I have that effect, the stench of the wolf. Um, but then you look at the Canadian banks and the US banks for that matter, JP Morgan, Royal Bank, pick your, pick your border, uh, pick your brand leader. Cheaper than chips. Cheap, cheap, cheap. The market does not care. It doesn't want them. Uh, let's talk about sentiment and the, the, the force it can have on markets. Um, and should you participate in sentiment or, just as you said, just ignore it and focus on the economic rent?
2: Um, I've never found that trading on sentiment has been successful for me. Uh, there, you know, a lot of the time, uh, people would be asking me, "What do I do about the budget, or what do I do about the upcoming election?" And I, I, I can't think of an instance when the budget has materially affected the broad market. Um, there, there have been instances where specific items in budgets have affected particular sectors like in the early 80s with uh pierre trudeau's uh, energy uh attack uh, national energy plan i remember that yeah uh we, we actually walked into the office uh, the day after the budget and sold every energy stock in our portfolios um, there, there was no way that their economics were going to survive under the regime that, uh, was being imposed by Ottawa. Uh, but that, 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 that's, that's an outlying experience as opposed to the reality of if the U S manages to avoid a government shutdown at the end of September, how is that going to affect the broad economy, well it's going to affect civil servants, uh, it's going to affect the military, um, it's going to affect government spending, um, and it's going to be solved relatively quickly, likely through the embarrassment of the uh, lunatics who shut it down.
1: I just had a piece across our desk on that, uh, talking about government shutdowns, so, so yeah, basically it is going to happen, uh, and guess what, Market during every market, uh, government shutdown went higher uh, I totally agree with you, Sandy. In terms of politics, uh, don't try to invest around it. Generally speaking, every now and then, a outlying setup, uh, perhaps to, to go long or short, something within a subsector, within the market. But I don't get involved in uh, politics. I'm, I'm sensing people getting a little nervous again, both politically and uh, geopolitically. Uh, there's always been reason to be concerned politically and geopolitically, so I, I can't participate in that. But again, I want to respect market because the, what Wall Street's loaded with good um, cliches. You sort of threw out a few euphemisms lines that they use on Wall Street. But you know, the trend is your friend. Uh, last year, the market hated tech stocks. Everyone was out into selling tech, selling tech, selling tech. Sentiment turned in January. Put on the tech trade. If you didn't, you missed out. The big FANG stocks were being eviscerated last year. This year, they drove the bus. If you didn't have the FANG stocks, you missed out. So I go back to that. Those are sentiment shifts. I do respect them, and I will follow trend uh, and, and, and gravitate towards that, hopefully early, not late. Um fi Radio. It's a show about money. We're chatting with Sandy McIntyre, a very seasoned uh, investor, market strategist, a uh, good friend of Hi-Fi Radio, he's now spending his time uh, giving back uh, to society uh, with his foundation, Tate. But he's very much focused on markets and he always enjoys hanging out with Jack and I on the show. We'll check in with Jack when we get back as well. Quick break, pay some bills around here. Show about money, shall return. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 Toronto.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment. On 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back.
1: Apparently some people aren't paying their her loans. Jack, I uh, got a call from one of our clients, picked up a story Probably in the National Post, maybe in the Toronto Star, how Bank of Montreal is clamping down on its auto loan business because, well, there's rising uh, defaults. That's where people don't pay their bills. Uh, Jack, Sandy, you want to talk a little bit about the automotive industry? I, I throw it over to you. Yeah, well, we're, you know, in the
3: middle of transitioning, I would say, to electric vehicles, but you've got the traditional automakers, uh, the the labor actually getting some inflationary pressure there and uh, Hmm. pushing back on the automotive manufacturers. So, Sandy, what's your perspective there? Uh, It looks like structural inflation to me. Does that mean uh, rates are higher for longer?
4: Um,
2: I think we're actually getting uh, um, rates correctly priced for the risk that you take on a fixed income investment uh, for a very long period of time. You had no real return on in the bond market. Uh, what what the unions are doing is correct in the sense in that um, they are in the midst of a transition to a new manufacturing model that takes a vehicle that has X number of parts, the traditional um, internal combustion engine and its attachments, and going to an electric vehicle that has something like 40%, 50% fewer parts. That's amazing. The most of the parts are Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) maintenance-free. They're trying to protect (laughs) their employment against companies that are opening facilities in the United States that are non-union. And I'll give you an example. Um, Tesla is a non-union shop. It's worth $894 billion, Hmm. and its market share is less than 1%. Mercedes is a union shop in Europe. It's non union in the States. It's a market cap of $72 billion. I'm not sure what its market share is, but its market share of the luxury market is pretty dominant. Uh, You take uh, General Motors, and uh, it has a market capitalization of $45 billion. And it has dominant market share in the United States. You take Ford. Um, it has a capitalization of $49 billion. And it ha- sells the best-selling vehicle in the United States.
1: With 150? The yeah, 150. Um, yeah.
2: Now, which... Company is misvalued.
1: <laughs> it's incredible. That's a great. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? But, so, what do you think, Sandy? Let's ask you that question. How how is is Tesla, in your opinion, misvalued?
2: Um, I I personally would not own it. Uh, I, I do not see a material barrier to Mercedes eating its lunch. And if, if you look at the Mercedes model lineup as it's rolling out over the next two to three years, and I'm using Mercedes consciously because it sells at a similar price point, um, they are going to have very, well, they already have viable alternatives for the Tesla SUV, and they're in the midst of viable alternatives for the Tesla sedans. Um now whether or not EVs are carbon neutral is <laughs> something that uh needs to be discussed. I I believe that their carbon footprint is not correctly calculated. I agree far, with you. It's not by by government policy, but um if if they are the succeeding vehicle, uh it's going to be a very long transition. Um Electric's market share is below 2%. (laughs) And when I go to my cottage near Midland, I don't see any EVs. I see a ton of rams. I see a ton of F-150s. Lots of uh, decent-sized SUVs. And if you look at the plants that the union is striking... They're striking the high-profit-margin
1: vehicles. (laughs) You know, so, Sandy, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, we do own, actually, Mercedes-Benz stock uh, in our portfolio, uh, and it pays about an 8% dividend yield. I'll tell you something else that's interesting. a little uh, market nuance for you. It pays that dividend once a year. So you get your full 8% paid once a year. Uh, so you could, if the stock is down and perhaps uh, a month or two before dividend pay, uh, you purchase that 8% over a two month hold, Times six—that's an annualized incredible return just on the dividend alone. Um, But I I was in uh, Portugal in May, and I uh, in one of those executive limos picked us up uh, to take us to a restaurant. I was in an ES5 uh, sedan. Uh, It's 160 thousand euro. Vehicle um, load it to the nines with technology, and in speaking with the owner, he described to me the the amount of joint venture activity that Mercedes has participated in with Tesla. So they have done a lot of work together, and then Mercedes says, "Fine, you've trained me on the EV." side of things, I'm just going to take it to the luxury level. So uh, they got EV down, but they continue to dominate luxury. So it's interesting you uh, raised that point. But uh, Jack, you, you you did a good job uh, highlighting that Morgan Stanley piece on Tesla's dojo. Um Do you, do you want to highlight a few key fa- uh, fa- factors in, from that report as to what makes dojo such a Pretty phenomenal uh, pretty phenomenal potential game changer for Tesla.
3: Sure. I mean it's artificial intelligence that's going to be self driving for Tesla. So that's the engine that is going to provide or Tesla's going to use to provide their self driving vehicle. And not only are they going to do that, um, you've seen with the charging network, other other manufacturers are going to be looking at licensing it. So I do think that um I think Tesla's got a lot more under the hood than investors are, are appreciating. Uh, whether or not that is all priced in, uh, remains to be seen, but you know, the software that they have, uh, the artificial intelligence that they have, the charging networks, there's so much more involved. And the, but the, the, the vertical- dojo,
1: but the dojo is, I will talk a little bit more specifically about what the dojo is. It is this monstrous supercomputer that is it's- artificially educating itself by grabbing in a free flow of data and the word dojo. again, that's an amazing report that word dojo. Um, I think it, it means where it begins um, or where it basically where it happens. It's, it, it's,
3: yes. It, it's like a gym. It's a training it's a training area. It's a training area. So it's not so interesting. Right. They're, they're back, back the to co- martial arts.
1: The, the, the supercomputer is training itself, but also there's a huge cost benefit. They spoke about cost benefits in this Dojo. And I think they're saying something, something to the effect about a forty percent cost advantage over some other type of wafer. Uh, I don't know if you got. So
3: that. Morgan, I say Morgan Stanley really got excited about that, increased their target um, quite high. Uh, there was some pushback on that from other analysts as well, just saying that it's going to take longer for this to actually happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know that's that is what makes a market. Though, but but
1: Tesla, so let's go, Sandy, Tesla, I'm sure you know this, is not really a car company. It really is a technology disruptive model.
2: Oh, well, I, I fully agree with you on that. Um, and uh, we, we're completely ignoring at this point the solar aspect of Tesla, um, the possibility of distributed power. And uh, that's just fallen right off the radar screen. But it is, to me a very valid business line,
1: Incredible brand. Uh, and again, it's funny that you mentioned you don't see many uh, 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 EVs in Midland. Um, <laughs> I don't know anyone who has a cottage in Midland. I'll say that to you, Sandy. Uh, but I will say, I, I was driving up the 400 not too long ago, and in front of me were three Teslas. So what, five lanes? Three lanes taken by Tesla right in front of us. I was actually quite impressed. Um, and well, again, in Europe, the the amount of new car participants. Sandy, how about that? The big three dominated the world back in my early career of the late 80s, it was the big three automakers. You, you, throughout your career, Sandy, it was the big three automakers and the dominance and the importance of automotive in Ontario. Cannot be understated. How this province survived without automotive is, is a whole other discussion. But again, when you, when you travel Europe, you see these brands of vehicles you've never, ever seen before. And showrooms for them, like beautiful glass showrooms where you can walk in and actually touch these vehicles. So for an industry, Sandy, that, has, that, that was three in North America, a few in Japan and a few in Germany that has become once again, highly fragmented. What do you think of that? Um,
2: the, the, the EV uh, is an ideal disruptor leading to fragmentation. Uh, you do not need the precision manufacturing tolerances for a high RPM internal combustion engine. What you're dealing with is off the shelf electric motors a battery pack, off-the-shelf brakes, off-the-shelf discs, rims, tires, and, and you design and you assemble um, your own body to put you, around. You, you
1: think you can do a lot of pick and play with uh, building autom- uh, electric automotive today? Yeah, really. Uh, I thought Tesla said yeah. the opposite.
3: It's a, I'm going to say it's a much more simpler technology in mean, an electric vehicle. Correct. Absolutely. Um, and that's what's going to drive the cost reductions over time. So I, I think that getting back to Sandy's original point about the unions, I think the unions, are sh- they're shooting themselves in the foot here, raising rates as much as they are, because you're looking at lower price electric vehicles, better manufacturers, better products. And guess what Elon Musk is doing right now? Gaining market share by cutting price. Yeah, he's it, cutting it, price. Yep. So, And you know why he's doing that? The well, it, it, market share. Well, gain market share. The and, and then also, out. yeah, later on, uh, benefiting from the network effect of uh being able to get all that information in the dojo plus all the other information that they're going to be able to yeah, gather Yeah,
1: his, his um subscription model is also a very very viable business model uh software subscription monthly bills that that's very much part updating of the their, technology on a monthly basis yeah it, it's, it's an incredible incredible business model the, but sandy did you ever expect to see such fragmentation in automotive uh i never did uh, again well, mature no, industry who would have thought such change would have come to it
2: not not when the barriers to entry were so the high. Dry, they were huge. Uh, but I've, I'm seeing on the road in Oakville, uh, Pole Stars. Um, there's a Vietnamese electric vehicle manufacturer that's bringing in uh, sport utilities. I uh, can't remember the name of it. Um, there's a, a luxury. So you said a
1: Vietnamese brand.
2: A Vietnamese brand. Wow. Uh, the the Polestar is, I believe, owned by China uh, because Ch- Chinese owns Volvo and Polestar, I think, is slightly related to Volvo. Um, it used to be a high-performance brand under the Volvo moniker. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I really do believe that um, the opportunity is here for new entrants. Um, and I agree with Jack that They're not going to develop their own autonomous driving programs. They're going to license it.
1: Yeah, 100%. And
2: and the brains is going to be either a Mercedes brain or a Tesla brain, uh, but somebody who manages to get it right over the next five years.
1: Sandy McIntyre is spending some time with us this Saturday night. Uh, he is a, a veteran loaded with sage advice and wisdom. It's an absolute delight for Jack and I to be able to spend time with Sandy. And guess what? We get to share that with you a little unplugged money management session on Hi Fi Radio. That's what we do each and every Saturday night. A little workshop, Albert, when it comes to cash. Stay tuned. More we'll show right after this.
0: Don't go anywhere. There's more hi fi radio in a moment. On 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment. Let, good
4: times roll.
0: Let them, indeed.
1: Roll. This is Hi-Fi Radio, it's Saturday night. I love the month of September. It's actually, I think, one of the best months of the year. I wish I was Sandy McIntyre. Uh, if I was Sandy McIntyre, uh, yeah, I'd do a little radio with uh, the Wolfman and Jack, uh, but I'd be traveling the world. And this is the month to travel. Uh, Sandy, uh, why don't you get on a plane and uh, go to Europe for me? Spend a couple of weeks, uh, you know, check things out. Uh, the tourists are gone. The weather's great. The prices are cheaper. Um, and apparently they're going to re- back on Tuesday. Yeah, from Europe yeah oh my, oh my god oh my god let's talk about it where were you tell me all about it and I saw no pictures on Facebook come on let's go get them up
2: well a uh, cruise from Amsterdam to Budapest on uh-huh. the ride uh-huh. uh, Maine and Danube uh, with uh, Viking uh, I would say the average age was in the 60s uh, the level of service was very good and Luckily, we did not have to do any busing from ship to ship. Uh, the water levels were enabled us to go right through. Just- I'm gonna say
1: something, you're gonna laugh. I had a client call, was it, laugh? Jack's, Jack's laughing right now. I had a client call, probably about a year ago, Oh, my God, Wolf, sell everything. The Rhine is drying up. They can't get the ships through. The economy is going to stop. Sell everything. The Rhine is dry. (laughs) I I kid you not, Sandy. I get (laughs) these calls. It was right at the start of the Ukraine war. That's how I remember that. (laughs) The Rhine is dry. I said, come on. The Rhine is dry. You're talking Germany here. If it goes dry, they'll figure out how to move stuff. They're pretty good at that logistics. You know, right branch, left brain thinking they, 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 they're okay with that stuff don't worry about the nuances around the world drive yourself like Sandy we could really drive ourselves nuts um, worrying just worrying about all kinds of things. But I mean, that's,
3: the, a, that's the geopolitics that Sandy was talking about. I know, about. There, I there's know. That's why I mentioned and it. And that's why it's easy for retail investors to get caught up in it, because it is the headline news. It's, it's on it's, the front page. It, yeah. The Ryan's drying up, or whatever the news <laughs> that is. That right? wasn't
1: even front page. You just called it. But again, uh, and Sandy, you said it at the open. I'm going to repeat the statement. They learned this, I think, in the 20s. Extra, extra, read all about it. Guy in the street, he learned he will sell more newspapers if he has an alarming story. Guess what? Today, approximately 500,000 airplanes will safely land. Not a story. That's not a story. One plane crashes. That's a story. Are you kidding me? To be able to land safely 500,000 airplanes every day, I think is a story. We just take it for granted. Um, But I want to segue saying, do you want to talk about the new economy? Uh, I love new. Uh, New is a good way to make money um, because everyone's a winner at the beginning. Uh, What's catching your eyes in the new economy, Sandy?
2: Um, Well, there's one news item from today. was Rupert Murdoch has resigned as chairman of uh, Fox News. Uh, And the reason he's resigned as chairman is the lawsuits around fake news are just eviscerating the company. Mm -hmm. And um, the pension plans that own Fox shares are suing the directors and management of Fox for restitution of the penalties being paid back into the company because it was their decisions that resulted in the Smartmatic payment and stuff like that. Um, to go back to your pick for the song, the album cover for The Cars "Good Times Roll" is a smiling woman with her hand over her forehead. Oh, you're good. With red lips. Red you're hair, really. Good. Are you
1: look saying are tell you. Are you, are you cheating? Jack and I are staring
2: at her right now. And and, and a loose Steering
1: wheel. Oh, my God. Uh, Sandy. Wow.
2: I don't know whether it's a He doesn't GM make this
1: stuff up, people.
2: Or a Chrysler,
1: but... You can't tell. You cannot tell.
2: Can't, cannot tell, but if you were to take that picture today, it would be red lipstick, red nail polish, smiling woman, and likely a Tesla steering wheel or a Mercedes steering wheel. ha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All uh, right, so where are you going with this?
2: Uh, the new economy constantly evolves, and you want to evolve with it. I would say that if I look at the F-150s and the Rams that are being driven around Ontario, um, the company that's making them has a really difficult transition <laughs> into the new economy.
1: How about the Sony and Walkman? They couldn't do it.
2: They couldn't do it. It's amazing. Um, they
1: couldn't do it, the Sony Walkman.
2: You, you want a portion of your portfolio in disruptors. Yep. Um, you want a portion of your portfolio in what I call the structures of everyday life.
1: Yep, the toll boosts that you, you often talk about.
2: Yeah, the, the stuff that you just have to spend money on. Yep. And um, what about
1: McDonald's? Yeah. What do you think of that stock, Sandy?
2: I don't really think about McDonald's because um, I don't go there. Um, oh, actually, I shouldn't say that. If I take the Go Train in, I'll drive go through the drive through and get a bacon and egg bagel and a coffee,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and have my breakfast on the train while I'm going into the city. Um,
1: People like when you open it, up that packaging on the train. They must, they must love it yeah. for that. A little <laughs> steam coming out of it. I would say, for most people, or
3: for a lot of people, it is a structure of everyday life. Whether or not use it every day or week or month, people go to McDonald's. There's light-ups there. We can all appreciate oh, that. you
1: kidding? No, it's it's an incredible brand,
3: McDonald's. That's a staple and a half. Yeah, the, the disruptors, new technology, growth, that tends to be challenging for a lot of people to appreciate. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to say that's where you do want to hire a professional that has process uh, and is able to identify those trends, often it is through uh, momentum, often it is through price and volume and technicals, because it takes longer sometimes for the fundamentals to actually come to fruition, especially with those tech and growth stocks.
1: Yeah, I know it can be a very exciting space, but you have to catch it properly. You have to true, true. Sandy, you said at the very onset, at the very onset of our show, uh, you spoke about uh, making correct decisions. Uh, And the less decisions, hopefully the probability of making right ones increases. But that first decision uh, can be key to the outcome. And I always say buying is more important than selling. If you buy correctly, the selling will be easy. You'll make money, in other words. But if you buy incorrectly, if you buy at a peak, it could be a long time of coming. I'm not to have to play that on the next track. Uh it'll be a long time coming to, to to get back to even. I'm not kidding you. Uh, you if you bought the, uh, the NASDAQ at the 2,000 peak, I think it was about a 15-year window you had to wait. The, the Nikkei, Never bested its peak in since the 1988, '89, Sandy, you remember those days? Yeah. So it, it, uh, it, it's remarkable. But, um, Entry point really, really matters. Sandy, my good friend, we have to hoppity hop here. Uh, we do got uh, another analyst coming on uh, with us. Uh, he's into space and unmanned systems. Have a good weekend, Sandy. Uh, Austin Mahler is going to join us, one of our directors and analysts at Canaccord. Uh, he's known for his deep dive analysis on the space and unmanned systems industry fascinating
0: stay tuned want to make more money stay tuned for more hi-fi radio on 640 toronto you're listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment this is
1: That would be, I guess, the scary part of space travel. You have to leave the capsule now. (laughs) Wait a minute. I've just been in this little tin can for a bunch of days and uh, it's kind of cozy, finally. I I do got to stretch my legs, but I heard it's kind of cold out there. Is it going to work? Is my tether going to hold on? Wild what we have done as a a species. It it truly is amazing that uh, when we, as a people, uh, put our mind to anything, we seem to get a lot of incredible stuff accomplished. Big brain, going to spend some time with us. His name is Austin Moeller, um, one of our analysts at Canaccord. He's involved in paying attention to the space and unmanned systems. Um, Beautiful resume uh, you have, Austin. Uh, You worked under uh, the former, it's amazing, so many American analysts seem to work for someone in the Pentagon. You guys are all connected with the Pentagon somehow. But you worked under the former Pentagon budget architect, uh, Lieutenant General emerson gardner jack you probably know him you're a military man <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't but you received I've your bachelor that. in science in finance and global peace and security studies i like that global peace how are you making out with the global peace thing is that working austin
4: uh well i mean obviously there's uh significant issues in in ukraine right now but uh Certainly, in in my coverage focus right now, you yeah, I'm still covering some of the uh, the space names, including Spire Global um, and Intuitive Machines, but also uh, covering some of the uh, more uh, electric aircraft sustainability names over um, in, in what's called electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. So
1: I'm trying to have some uh, fun with you here, Austin. You're getting all serious on me, buddy. I said global peace. How's that coming for you? <laughs> you went serious on me. What are you going to say to you, Austin? Let, let, let's stick with this. My, my, my question because actually it's interesting. Um, you know, when I, when I spend some time on Netflix, which I do a lot, and I meant to catch something about space. There was that, and I mentioned, I forgot the name of it, not the Hubble spacecraft, the other big um, uh, uh, camera. i say Austin, Austin knows it. They, uh, well, they what, just launched yeah, it. Yeah, who, who's that? No, they, they actually, but it, it safely landed. They're taking pictures from it. Um, and it was a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar initiative. What, what camera am I talking about, Austin? I say that because once you see those pictures, it makes all of us, 8 billion humanoids, feel small. And when you feel small, you feel a little humbled. And when you're humbled, perhaps you're a little more chilled. I think that in itself is good for global peace. Eh?
4: Austin? I think uh, you're referring to the James Webb.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's the one. They're Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, to watch them build it, design it, engineer it, mistake after mistake, test it, sort of. And then hope it worked and had to wait so many years to see if their little uh, uh, test uh, monkey worked. And it did. It was unbelievable. Uh, pretty cool, eh?
4: Yeah, definitely incredible imagery that we've been able to get out of it despite the you know 10-year-plus and multi-billion-dollar development cycle on it. But it seems like the, the imagery that we're getting back at this point is uh, worth the wait, I would say.
1: Yeah, so so you, but you're involved. In like a, it's a very cool space that uh, that you're paying attention to. Um, is it investable? Uh, and and if, if it is, to, to what degree of risk do you have to assume? Uh, or is there a bit of a easier way to get exposure to uh, you know uh, new frontiers without you know being excessively aggressive on the risk, on the risk curve?
4: Uh, I mean, there's a number of space companies out there, including on the satellite operator side, but also on the spacecraft manufacturing side. I mean, Spire Global uh, is a good example, uh, where they have a fully deployed constellation of satellites that are being used to track all of the Earth's weather conditions 24 hours a day at any point on the planet. Uh, so that would be one example. I also cover Intuitive Machines, uh, which has been building... Uh, lunar landers for NASA under a contract called the Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program. But, uh, I mean, both... Of I'm sorry, what program, uh, what program is that?
1: Uh, what program is that?
4: Commercial Lunar Payload Services, or CLIPS. So...
1: That's a government initiative? The
4: purpose of that program, Yes, it's a NASA program. Uh, and the intent was to... Uh, instead of having NASA build a rover or a spacecraft or a lander, which usually when NASA builds it costs billions and billions of dollars, uh, they can contract this out to uh, you know a private company that can do a mission for, say, 100 to $150 million, so an order of magnitude less expensive, but still uh, collect the same data and accomplish the same mission as if NASA JPL had designed something internally.
1: And and your Spire Global, what does that company do?
4: Right, so Spire Global is what's called a remote sensing satellite operator. So they have 100 satellites that are uh, equipped with radio antennas. And basically, when a, a GPS signal bounces off of the Earth and it comes back through the atmosphere, it bends a little bit as it passes through the atmosphere this is called occultation so it the the, um the radio wave bends or occults and Hmm. basically they figured out that based on how much it bends as it passes through the atmosphere and then returns to be received by the satellite they can determine the exact temperature pressure and moisture of any point in the earth so they can use it for weather forecasting
1: wow i heard of bending light Uh... Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Hey, tell me something. Uh, have you been to NASA? Uh,
4: which NASA facility? I don't know. How
1: many do they have? How many are there?
4: I mean, and, uh, there's multiple different ones. I've been to Cape Canaveral and Kennedy Space Center many times. Uh, and Jack, I've also Jack's a, j-
3: that
1: excited, Jack. You, you know, he's, he's a
3: military Well, I didn't say you hear about these places, obviously, in the news, Cape Canaveral. But the, the fact that the NASA, I'm not saying it's getting displaced, but maybe it's getting a little disrupted because you look at SpaceX. You mentioned other companies that are being hmm. able to do the same thing for lower costs. How are they able to do that, Austin? Uh, and do you continue to see NASA being less relevant as these private companies are you going to say more competitive in the space?
4: Um, what I would say is that NASA is switching from a model of them building and designing everything internally used for a mission to they're still the government agency, but they just pay third parties to provide the spacecraft and the services for them and their astronauts and whatever payloads they might have. So. It's more cost effective for them to do it that way. I mean, generally when, uh, you know, the government designs something, it tends to be much, much more expensive than if you have competition and a competitive bid and a contract between multiple different vendors. Uh, and so that's that's part of how they're able to come down significantly on the cost curve compared to like if. NASA JPL scientists in California built uh, a lunar lander or a lunar rover, and two machines could do it much less expensively.
1: Uh, Austin, fifteen seconds for this quest, and then we have to uh, call it a weekend. Um, when do you think commercial aviation will uh, be viable uh, on an e? Well, I guess it'd be an EP basis, electrical electric plane uh, basis. Where are we at on that continuum?
4: Sure. So I cover a number of EV toll companies now, electric vertical takeoff and landing. But uh, two of them, uh, Archer Aviation and Joby Aviation's aircraft, are expected to be certified by the FAA within the 2024 to 2025 time frame. So after 2025, I'd expect to start seeing them flying around at least for short distance trips.
1: Uh, huh, interesting. Uh, keep us posted on that. That's, that's very, very fascinating stuff. Uh, Austin Muller, uh, senior analyst with Canaccord, uh, right into his deep diving analysis on space and unmanned systems. Uh Connected with the Pentagon, uh, it's amazing uh, to have him on our team. Delighted. Uh, I want to wish you a great weekend, my good uh, friend there, I guess, in New York. Uh, be safe. We'll uh, work with you some on uh, Monday. Friends at home, shows Hi-Fi Radio, each and every Saturday, Jack and I bring it to you. Uh, we help people like you build wealth, and once you're wealthy and we re- setting into retirement, transition phase, we can help you harvest that money efficiently and effectively. Uh, please, if you have any questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com is where we can be had. And we are here for you. Any questions for us, please don't hesitate. I want to see each and every one of you have more wealth. Tune in each and every Saturday, 640 Toronto. Have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardill, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week.